Hi friends, Kurt here. Thank you for listening to Weathering Coronavirus Updates and Hope. Today is Thursday, and I wanted to look at the headlines today. However, I found it interesting that the headlines didn't really have a lot to say. So, in general, this is what I'm getting from the headlines today. Uh, We're kind of settling in for the long haul. I think this is what happens when the media frenzy starts to die down and they're looking for something to change. We're settling in for the long haul. No one knows how long that the coronavirus epidemic is going to last. And so people are kind of settling in to the new normal that we're experiencing right now as we weather the coronavirus outbreak together. There's talk about the stimulus package. Who's going to direct the spending of the $2.2 trillion and will it be enough money? There's some information about where all that money is going, and I think you know a lot of it. It's going to businesses. It's going to individuals. It's going to business loans. It's going to major corporate bailout loans. It's, it's being spread to a lot of different places, but $2 trillion are being dedicated to stimulate the economy. Wall Street seems to be happy about this. We'll see. Dire predictions continue. People are still talking about running out of hospital beds, respirators, and masks. The numbers keep coming back up that a lot more people might die in the United States than originally was reported, but it's just a number that someone came up with, folks. But now it's the new scare that they can banter around and and shake at us. There are some reports of new types of testing. Lots of biomedical companies out there that are developing new testing techniques They all want to sell testing kits, and they want us all to be tested more, which we really, really do need. So hopefully some of these new tests will make it to the market soon. However, the main report today was that the FDA has not approved them yet. So we're not quite there. Really, my summary of the news of the last couple of days is that there's not a lot in the way of new news. But here's some news for you. Today, the world will break one million cases. Hasn't quite yet, but we're close. So there's going to be a lot of squawking about that probably tonight and tomorrow. Let's take a look at the numbers and see what they mean a little bit again. And I want to do that because I think it will take the bite out of the million case mark. So right now we have about 983,000 cases, but they're not all active. And that's something we need to remember. The active cases are all the way down to 727,000, and that's because 257,000 cases have resolved. They've closed, and the vast majority, vast majority of those closed cases are people that are well again, who now very likely have long-term immunity against COVID-19. That's good news. So as we see the number of total cases continue to grow, maybe what we should be looking at is the number of cases that have closed out. In the world, 74% of the cases are active right now, and 26% have closed. The social distancing that we are seeing worldwide is helping to reduce the spread of the virus, and as people get sick and get well again, then those become closed cases. They're going to continue to make the total caseload number grow and grow and grow, and the media is going to be squawking about that because they like to scare us. But the reality is, as people get well, the number of active cases could start leveling off and even reversing, and that's what we're looking forward to. I think it's great news that 26% of the cases right now are closed. That is showing some significant 
progress. And I would like to point out too, that if you look at the number of cases that there are in the world, active cases per capita, meaning 727,000 active cases per 7.7 billion people that live on the planet, we're talking about one one hundredth of one percent of the people on the planet right now that have coronavirus. And another way to say one one hundredth of one percent is to say one out of 10,000. And as I've said on previous shows, that means on average in the world today, you would have to shake 10,000 hands before you could be assured by probability that you had shaken one hand that belonged to a person that had coronavirus. So when we break that million case mark and they squawk about, oh no, oh no, we broke a million, remember it's still just one out of 10,000 people in the world and the world is making progress at battling against this pandemic. I want to talk about the Gunnison numbers because I've been using Gunnison kind of as a case study for the planet. Gunnison County has 17,000 residents nestled in the heart of the Colorado Rockies. It's isolated a little bit from the outside world. When Gunnison County found out that COVID-19 was here, and remember, this is a vacation destination location, so people did bring the virus in from around the planet for spring break. The health department here essentially shut Gunnison County down. Spring break was canceled. The businesses that were considered non-essential were all closed, meaning restaurants closed, all the little tourist shops closed, all the businesses were closed, and everyone is under an order to shelter at home until further notice. Well, actually, it's not until further notice because there are limits on how long they can extend that, but we know that they will just extend it again when the time comes. So we don't know how long that we're at this stay-at-home lockdown type order. We can leave for exercise. We can leave for getting groceries. We can leave to get medical care. Um, But it has to be an essential reason that we leave. And so we've been living pretty much in our houses in Gunnison County for the last couple of weeks. And here's the reason I wanted to revisit the numbers. It's working. The known cases, the tested positive cases in Gunnison County started with three and continued to climb, and they climbed pretty rapidly for the first week, week and a half, and they made it up to about 80 cases. And 80 is not that many, but still, they made it up to about 80 cases. And we've been sitting around that 80 case mark now for four or five days. Today, when I looked at the number of new cases, we made it up to 82. So only a couple more new confirmed cases from all the testing in the last several days. What that means to me is we've begun to flatten the curve. This is what everyone's been talking about, flattening the curve so we don't have an explosion of cases that overwhelms the medical resources. And the good news is our medical resources are not overwhelmed in Gunnison County. And now that we seem to have flattened the curve, things are going to start to improve. Now, about one-third of the self-reported cases have also resolved. So here's the way that it works. You had to get special permission to be tested because of the limited number of testing resources. That meant you had to, at the time that I checked into it last, you had to have been in contact with someone that was confirmed to have COVID-19. 
you had to have the symptoms and not only have the symptoms, but they had to be worsening to some degree before they would want to test you to confirm that you had COVID-19. Okay. Then anybody else who was symptomatic was encouraged to self-report and the self-reporting didn't mean you had COVID-19. It just meant you had some symptoms. There were 675 people in Gunnison County that self-reported symptoms. However, of the people that actually were tested, um, let me look at these percentages here. 62% of the people who actually did get tested did not have COVID-19. So that means 38% of the tests were positive. So if we run that ratio on the number of people that self-reported on that 675, it means that about 420 of the self-reported cases probably did not have COVID-19, and maybe another 250 did. But the self-reporting has also leveled out. So not only are we beating COVID-19, but we're also beating the flu and some other bronchitis that have been going through the valley. And so all of these illnesses are leveling out and we're flattening the curve in Gunnison, Colorado. This is the hope for the planet right, that we'll be able to see these curves flatten off for the planet. But it does beg a few questions, and it's the unknowns that are the most troubling. And I'm going to talk a lot about fear today. I'm going to talk about how to overcome fear and how to live healthier right now in the midst of this crisis. beginning to see that we flatten the curve in Gunnison County, then what? Then what? If you drive down Main Street right now, it's a ghost town. Businesses are closed. There are no cars on the street. It is strange. But if there were three known cases in Gunnison County when the health department took action, then how many cases do we have to get down to before we start returning to normalcy or the new normal or phasing out of these lockdowns? And I don't have an answer to that. I haven't heard a discussion about that yet. Do we need to get down to zero new cases for two weeks? That's because the incubation period for COVID-19 is around two weeks. So if we had zero new cases for two weeks, it would make people think, okay, everyone's getting better and no one's exposing new people to it. So now can we begin to come out of our homes again and start conducting business again? Well, it's just way too early to know. We just don't know. And Gunnison County is a tourism-based economy, and we already canceled spring break, which we talked about on a previous show. Huge economic impact for this local economy. Are we going to cancel the summer tourism season as well? We might have to, because if Gunnison County manages to have no new cases and we've flattened the curve and we beat coronavirus here locally, that doesn't mean that we can invite people to come back in and bring more coronavirus right back to us. So how does this resolve? I don't know. And that kind of a scenario plays out not just for Gunnison. It plays out for the United States. It plays out for the world. How do we back out of this? In previous shows, if you've not heard, we did a lot of discussions about people that have had COVID-19 who they, they become healthy again 
they should have immunity that's going to last for weeks or months, if not for the rest of their lives. And if we could establish, uh, you know, if a person has immunity, then they can be a real resource to go back out into the world to help people who have COVID-19 because they're not going to get sick again or to open up businesses and to start restarting the local economies around the planet. So if we can establish the people that have immunity, then they can be the, the beginning, the vanguard of the new normal that we're going to enter into. But it's just too early to know how that's going to turn out. That generates worry. That generates fear. And it makes people nervous. And that's why I wanted to talk about fear today, but not just fear, but I want to talk about a healthier approach to maybe managing some of these situations. Today, I want to talk about love versus fear. And the reason is, this is from the Bible. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's from 1 John 4:18. It's a beautiful thought that love eliminates fear. And I'm not going to get real religious on you. That's not what this is about. But I did want to talk about that concept. Does love get rid of fear? Think about a child who's had a nightmare, who's asleep and wakes up in the middle of the night, and that the parent comes in and strokes the child's head and says, I love you, you're going to be okay. And the child settles down and goes right back to sleep. Why? Because love does cast out fear. And most of the time, fear is not real and fear is not founded. But love is real, and love casts out fear. So I wanted to talk about this for a minute. Did you ever pause to consider that many of us create our own hell on earth? And I'm not talking about some religious construct that was used to manipulate the masses. That's not what I mean by hell. Just consider the paradigm or the archetype of hell for a moment. It's a place of punishment, fear, and suffering. Are we not sometimes guilty of creating the same in the way that we manage our lives? Punishment, fear, and suffering. Do we walk through an unnecessary hell of our own contrivances? I think that many of us have to admit, if we're honest, that we've done that from time to time. We might be doing it right now with this coronavirus scare. Take a moment. Now, just a short one. I don't want to open up Pandora's box, but take just a moment How do you do this to yourself? Recall a circumstance that still haunts you and tries to drag you back into a self-made hell experience. Okay, stop. (laughs) Don't think about it for very long. I just wanted you to realize we all have this in our lives. We have regrets. So don't spend any more time on that. It was just an illustration. But I am going to spend a little time on these three attributes of a self-made hell so that we can learn not to go there. a place of punishment. How many times have you punished yourself for actions or words that you regret? For how many years have you recalled your mistakes and felt the guilt and the disappointment of those memories? You punish yourself. That's part of a self-made hell. What about fear? How often do you imagine a future that is bleak? 
the loss of a job or of a home or, God forbid, the loss of a loved one? What about simpler fears, like doubting that you'll be successful enough to accomplish your dreams, maybe? Or what about the fear we feel when we watch the fear mongers, and I'm talking about the mainstream media, working so hard to shock us with horrible things that happen around the globe? What about fear of this COVID-19? Well, stop a minute for COVID-19. I just illustrated it's one out of 10,000 people, right? 80% of those one out of 10,000 people that do get COVID-19 have a mild flu-like experience. They don't die, right? And of those that are in the more susceptible populations who are at greater risk to this disease, they might develop a serious case, right? But 90% or more of them survive, So even the most challenging cases, 90% of the people are okay. They come out the other side just fine. Now, I don't mean to trivialize the very real challenges of COVID-19, nor the suffering that it is causing. It's real. But I have to ask the question, are we too afraid? Are you too afraid? Odds are this is going to be a small or a non-event in your health life. Now, caution is warranted, but perhaps the fear is not. Now, the crazy thing about fear is that we imagine it worse than what the actual experience might be. Let me repeat that. The crazy thing about fear is that we imagine it worse than an actual experience. This is called worry. We all know this. A lot of us are worry warts. We worry about things that may never, ever happen. We destroy our present moments, the present experience of living life, by robbing ourselves of peace and joy, by living in imaginary fear about events that may never even happen in the first place. And if these unfortunate events did happen, we would weather that too, and it would not be as scary as we imagined it to be. It almost never is. So think about that for a minute. Why do we worry? Why the fear? What is that doing for life, for real life? What's really happening right here and right now? The third thing was suffering in our human self-made hell on earth. There is real suffering in this life, but quite often the suffering brings a greater joy later. We carry a lot of bad self-destructive habits around that do require suffering to eliminate. The old has to be burned off to make room for new life. Have you ever seen a field that suffered a grass fire during the fall or in the winter, and it burst into new life in the spring? It's greener, more vibrant, more pure than if the fire had never happened in the first place. Many of the weeds are gone, and the ashes of burning off all this old crap, the ashes of of all the old grasses that had grown there matted and unhealthy for years, those ashes become fertilizer, fertilizer that enhances the new life. Humans are just like that. We need to burn off the bad stuff to lighten our load so that we don't have to carry it around anymore. And then we have the freedom and the fertilizer for new living, for new life. So suffering is not all bad. Suffering can be very, very good. But how much suffering is completely unnecessary because we torture ourselves with regrets from the past or worries about the future. A lot of our suffering suffering we don't even need. It, It should be avoided. I want you to hear this well. This is something to live by. 
The past is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's only a memory. The future is just a dream. It's not real. The present is all we have and all we will ever have. So why do we spend all of our mental energy living in the hell of a past we want to forget or the hell of a future that we're worried about? How are you right now? If the past is bothering you, then explore forgiveness deeply. That's the antidote. Learn to forgive others. That's not too hard. It'll take, it'll take some effort and some growing up. But then you have to learn to forgive life itself, our circumstances. It's unfair, people. It really is. You have to forgive that. That's a little bit harder. Now, if you learn how to forgive those things, you might even learn to forgive yourself. This will require the refiner's fire to burn off the junk that I was talking about, but you can forgive yourself. And the future? It'll never turn out in the way that you think that it might. Let me repeat that. The future will not turn out in the way that you think that it might. It won't. It can't. It will never live up to the worries that you're creating. Besides, the future doesn't exist. It only robs us of the present. The future is just a bad dream. Or maybe a good dream if you have, you know, good dreams about the future, and I hope you do. But if you're worrying about the future, it's just a bad dream. It's not reality. It's not real. And it never will be. The present, right now, can be glorious. And most of the time, the present is just fine. So right now, in the middle of this coronavirus scare, how are things for you in this very moment of reality? I'm not talking about the dreams of the future or the nightmares of the past, right? I'm talking about right now. Are you well? Probably, unless you're one out of 10,000 people. If you are sick, then how bad is it right now? You're going to recover. And how is this current moment? How is this current moment for all of us? Breathe for a moment. Take a deep breath and feel that life filling up your lungs. Look around you at the beauty that exists in the world. Experience the present moment. Find something to be thankful for and say it out loud. I am thankful for fill in the blank. See how many you can come up with in a short period of time. I'm thankful for the weather. I'm thankful for shelter. I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful that I have my health. I'm thankful that I'm not too sick. I'm thankful that I have loved ones in my life. I'm thankful that I have opportunities that can better my future. I'm thankful... There's so many ways that you can be thankful. So fill in those blanks and make a habit of pulling your awareness into this current moment as much as possible. Get out of your own head where you dread the past and the future. Instead, focus on what you're doing right here and right now. In almost all cases, the present is fine. It's just fine and there's joy there. The present is not full of fear and dread. The present is not a self-made hell. Let me kind of go full circle. I started by saying that love casts out fear, right? Love eliminates fear. What am I really saying? Learning to live in the present and to forgive and to be thankful are all acts of love. 
They're acts of love. You can love yourself. You can love the present. You can love other people. As you do that, where does the fear go? Love eliminates fear. It replaces it. It's like if you had oil in the bottom of a glass and you start to fill that glass with water. The water lifts the oil out of the glass and it pushes it away and the water fills the space that was left behind. Love is just like that. Love pushes out the fear and fills a space where the fear was. Love drives out the hell on earth that we tend to create. It's going to be okay. I said this on the last episode. It's going to be okay no matter what happens. It's going to be all right. This is not some Pollyanna philosophy. This is truth. My name is Kurt Linville. Thank you for listening today. Please tell your friends about the show. And we really, really need people to rate us on iTunes, rate us on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, leave a review. It does so much to help us to spread the word about this show. So please do that. Subscribe so you don't miss a show. Today's show was produced by Caleb Linville. And until the next episode, be safe out there.